welcome back to the international podcast views from the back of the class. Shout out to our listeners from Sweden and the UK. By the way, my name is Jalen Blackman, but my friends call me JB. And I am Josh. Thanks again for tuning in to episode number nine. Thanks for taking this ride along with us. We really do appreciate it, as we always say. If you haven't already done so, take that couple seconds right now. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Should you feel so inclined, go ahead and leave us a comment. Again, good, bad, or indifferent. We love to hear from you. Hit us up, viewspod at gmail. And also, you can find us on Instagram at viewspod. Yes. Slide the DMs, comment, <laughs> whatever it is you got for us, we're here for it. Yep, and whatever platform you're uh, listening on, if they allow you to give us a rating, give us a couple ratings. You know, that helps us grow, and uh, I mean, you guys have helped us grow this far, and we'd like to keep going forward. For sure. Let's take it even further. So what's up this week? What are we doing, JB? Quite a few things, actually. Been a little busy since the last time we recorded. Yeah, it really has been. So we got Henry Cavill. Is he is he there? Is he not? And right along with that, <laughs> the rumors coming out about Michael B. Jordan and Superman and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. We're definitely going to do a, a bit of a spoiler review of Iron Fist. We touched on the last episode, but I think we can we've uh, let enough time pass to uh, actually start talking about that. So yeah, if you're not done with season two and we spoil it for you, it deserves to be spoiled for you. You've had your time. Dang. Nobody and told we'll you to be you, responsible. We'll give you a proper spoiler alert, so you can you can certainly fast forward. No, I'm, I'm not. Everybody does at the end. Everyone gets dusted. It's amazing. <laughs> Boom. This dude is terrible. That's <laughs> um, not what happens. Joaquin Phoenix, who we actually spoke, I'll say highly, but that's probably not true. I think in an earlier episode, if you guys happen to go back to that, you'll see what our, our initial thoughts were on that, but... Now we got some set photos, a couple uh, videos from the set. So we're going to re- uh, revisit that and see if what our original thoughts uh, still stand. Yeah, I think we were I think we were pretty gracious to Joaquin Phoenix uh, in this Joker movie. We were kind of skeptical, but I think it was more favored or than the uh, Jared Leto version. So Indeed. Yeah, so Indeed. I, don't, I don't think we were like flip-flopping on this one too much, but my memory's bad, so maybe we were. I don't know. We'll go back and listen to it. It's all good. Speaking of the Joker... And just how nuts he is. The bulk of our discussion will be about Batman. Yes. Pretty interesting uh, conversation I think we got today. Yes. Yeah, Henry Cavill. We're not really sure what's happening with him and Superman. I think some people have reported that he's out. Some people are saying he's still in. Warner Brothers is saying they don't know what's going on. And some people are saying when Warner Brothers wants to, for some reason, focus in on a Supergirl movie, which just seems out of left field to me. The whole situation is pretty clumsy, if you ask me. Like, what it sounds to me, based on a couple of things that I've read, is that Warner Brothers is done with Henry Cavill, but I think it somehow got out before they had spoken to him. So I think, I think, effectively, you know, it's over with for him as Superman, and they just didn't really get the chance to announce it the right way, I suppose. Gotcha. And he's not even going to get a swan song. Like, I guess, you know, the idea was to have him do a, a, a really quick cameo and Shazam and, you know, his schedule didn't work for it. Right. Uh, which I think is a major fail on DC's part, though. Like, you make the time for that. Yeah, you do. If his schedule doesn't 
doesn't work within, you know, the framework of your original uh, recording schedule, like find a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. Movies do reshoots all the time, especially DC movies. You can do pickups, you know, several months later, it's one scene, yeah. like get it done. No, I agree. And I think from what I read too, I read the same thing about the cameo and Shazam being what led to it. I've read conflicting reports, you know, from the WB and from his rep and a couple of, you know, insiders about what happened. And some are saying, you know, that just that they basically that the schedule wasn't working out and somebody took it as them saying that they were going to get rid of him. And some people, you know, saying that the WB, like you said, is moving on from him and planning to do other things in the universe. Um, none of it really makes too much sense to me, but personally, I mean, I thought he was a pretty good Superman. I thought he was a fine Clark Kent, but it's not, to me, he doesn't own that role. He's not what Hugh Jackman is to Wolverine. He's not that to Superman. But I feel like he hasn't really gotten a chance to become that either. No, I, mean, I agree. The only time we really got to see him, you know, be Superman was for a few minutes in Justice League. Right. Like, however you feel about Man of Steel, it was... In my opinion, it was solid. Yeah, I liked you know, it. It was, it was a really good introduction to that character, but he was not Superman as we know him to be. You know, right. he was just getting getting into that. Mm-hmm. And we never really got to see a full-length movie with him, you know, in all of his Boy Scout heroic glory, mm-hmm. which makes him, you know, so beloved and hated in some, in some ways as well, you know, because people look at the Boy Scout thing as, as corny, but... That's who this character is. You know, he's supposed to to represent the best of humanity and uh, something for, you know, humans to aspire to. Not only just being powerful, but just as far as his temperament and, you know, the way he deals with with people. Yeah. I think that it was it's kind of unfair to, you know, Cavill to really cut him short and and the fans as well, Mm -hmm. because now whoever replaces him, we kind of have to start this journey all over again. Right. Not to say that we're, you know, we need an origin story. We know the story. But what I mean by starting it over is we have to, you know, have a reason to care about the, the whoever the new actor will be. Right. It's just unfortunate for no no real reason that I can see. What you're saying makes sense because, well, from what I read, you know, they were saying the next Superman movie wouldn't happen until like 2020 or 2021 anyway. And Which is so stupid. It, it is. And to me, the, the line that they want to focus on Supergirl, if that is real or if that's true, I think it's stupid because it comes out of nowhere. How are they laying the groundworks unless they have something lined up in Shazam or in Aquaman or Wonder Woman 2 to introduce this character? Because what opportunity have they had so far to do it? You know, they're, they're putting the, uh, the cart before the horse again, all over again. Man, like they did with with uh, Justice League, and so I think I think it's personally stupid. I don't. I, I'm not putting a lot of stock into into the reports, to be honest with you, because it just doesn't make sense to me. Which is kind of what makes me believe it, because because <laughs> they history. have been this disorganized all the way through. Like we, you know, we were hit. We were on an upswing. Mm-hmm. Everything was, you know, positive reviews with uh, Shazam and. Uh, Aquaman seems to be trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. People are excited for Wonder Woman, so it was all good just a week ago. <laughs> but there's also reports too, which is why I don't tend to believe it about um, Ben Affleck being out of the next of the Batman. Yep, 
I know he's out as director. Has it been confirmed that he is out as playing the character? And I haven't seen anything official that says that. No. You know, he has a whole, unfortunately, has this whole rehab situation going on, which, I mean, you got to take care of yourself first over playing a character. But all of that aside, I haven't seen anything that says he's gone. So, you know, you never know what these studios are really going to do until they do it. Fair enough. Supergirl is a movie. It has to make sense for what you're doing, for what you're rolling out. So unless they're relaunching the entire universe and they're they're only legitimizing the history that's going to come from Shazam, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 2, and uh, Aquaman, it doesn't make any freaking sense. It really doesn't. Nah. So. Throw the whole universe away, man. It's it's getting to that point. (laughs) Blow it up and start all over, unfortunately. Um, Because It's, it's... them not understanding what makes people attached to these movies. Yeah. Which is illustrated by this next topic. It, the whole will he, won't he with Henry Cavill. In the midst of that, there's, you know, these reports coming out that not only is Henry Cavill out, but they're looking at Michael B. freaking Jordan for Superman. Yeah. I'm so I'm initially against that and it's gonna sound really stupid when I say it, but I'm known for saying stupid stuff where um, <laughs> You <laughs> so, said it, not me. Yeah, it's it's not gonna shock anyone. Uh the reason I don't like that is because I don't like when actors play more than one superhero. I just, I just don't like it. And I think there are enough qualified actors to and have a presence in them. So that's why I'm initially against it, but at the same time I I just it doesn't make any sense. Like, why are you recasting Superman when you have a Superman? You're not exactly. You haven't said you're going to relaunch the universe, so it doesn't make any freaking bloody sense. Sorry, our UK listeners, we're going to have to censor this episode, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it doesn't make any sense. No, nah, none. I I agree with you in that it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I don't know that I agree with the reasoning, though. Like, I'm good with uh, characters playing multiple, I mean, actors playing multiple characters. If you take just Michael B. Jordan himself, he's done that. Yeah, he has. And by that logic, we would not have gotten an awesome Killmonger in Black Panther. The reason I say that is because when he, you know, was Johnny Storm, there is no way on, you know earth he would ever reprise that role because that movie was so terrible it was so universally panned i mean we saw it for yep. free we were watching it in your basement and we weren't even paying attention yeah yeah so him going from that to playing uh killmonger that doesn't bother me because he's never going to return to that role killmonger i mean there there is a way to bring him back he could potentially come back to that role and i would like to see that but, sure but if he's tied up playing superman then we definitely won't see that or if we do it may not be as as good or it may be delayed because of contracting issues and True. timing and things like that yeah i can see that i i my biggest problem with it and it may be controversial but i just don't see the need for a black superman i think this is again dc not really understanding you know the culture they see the successful black panther and say oh black superhero you know it made a couple made a billion dollars and that was why but it wasn't 
because of it being a black superhero it was a really well written story beautiful set design and Mm -hmm. you know really dope fight choreography and it was just a compelling film in the genre had nothing to do with the idea that it was a black superhero i'm sure you know that that would have helped it but right you're a fool if you're thinking you know just black people going to see and support this movie is what drove it to the numbers that it made right no way no way and i think it does a disservice um to all of the other characters that dc currently has so let's say you're you're interested in Michael B. Jordan joining your universe. Mm-hmm. Fine. Why does he have to take the Superman role though? If you want him to be a superhero and you want him to to, to represent similar ideals, like they have a character that fits that. Let me guess. Icon. Okay. He could be Icon. He could be he could be a young John Stewart. I see that was the obvious choice that I thought you were going towards. For sure. For sure. No, Icon is where I was going because, you know, because of the Superman thing. Mm-hmm. But John Stewart, he could be Mr. Terrific. He could have been Firestorm. Mm-hmm. Could be anybody. Could be Hawkman for, you know, doesn't really could be matter. Hawkman. Could be Hawkman. Could be Plastic Man. Like, I, I just <laughs> didn't feel Gold. the need to see or Blue Beetle. one a new Superman at all. But but it just felt it felt desperate to me. Mm-hmm. Like they're grasping at, at straws. And I don't know how official the announcement was, but it, it's really sloppy to let something like that get out anyway. And I, I feel like it was kind of a tester anyway. Like, oh, we're not going to make an official statement. We'll just make sure it gets out there and kind of test and see what people are thinking. Right. Um, which I think is ridiculous. And before you, you all add me, because <laughs> I got into an argument with somebody about this when I when I basically made this statement before. Like, oh, there are versions of Superman, you know, throughout the multiverse who is black. I get that. Mm-hmm. But let's be real here. Those versions of Superman are not nearly as well known. Right. And if you're just talking about the general movie going public, they'll have no idea that this is a thing. Right. Why would you take that risk with the most iconic superhero in history? It's just not good business. No, I agree. And, and you know, you bring it out like that as it's being kind of a gimmick. It's, it's actually pretty insulting. In- incredibly. It's incredibly. It's insulting and insensitive to uh, just cast a character for controversy. It's just dumb. Yeah, it's not smart. I don't, but I don't, like, I, I'm taking everything coming from WB and DC right now as a grain of salt. Unless it's coming from official directors and things like that. I, there's probably some truth to it, or there's more truth to it than. Um, and non-truths i guess or fake news but i'm just i'm holding my breath and hoping that these guys are not the idiots that they're showing themselves to be and you know probably not yeah i mean because both of these things that we've talked about are kind of unofficial right we still haven't gotten an announcement on either one so even though there's a lot of smoke there may not be a fire at all Speaking about movies, um, even though we don't have a trailer yet, we have a lot of footage from the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. And before we start talking about this, do you think it's funny or telling that this movie was announced after the Jared Leto movie was announced? And we already have a script. We have 
um, costume design. We actually have filmography going on with this movie. And we have nothing from the Jared Leto movie. Not that I'm holding my breath because I don't care about that one because that Joker sucked. But do you think it's <laughs> do you think it's pretty interesting or funny? Because I'm I can't believe it. I mean, yeah. As far as I know, they don't even have a script for the Jared Leto movie. I don't even think they have a director. I don't even know. I don't know that they even know what they want to do with it because it was the Joker movie and then it was Joker and Harley. And who knows if that's going to happen? Like, we just don't know anything with that one. So uh, that is very telling. It's just, you know, another way that <laughs> DC is a mess. DC is just not. They don't seem to. I won't say they don't understand what they want to do, but they they are not clearly sharing the idea with the with the audience. Like because we're embedded in this stuff, we kind of know that all right, this is supposed to be a, a separate thing altogether. So we can kind of pick up on that, but you know, Joe Public doesn't know that. And I think they run the risk of because this is going to come out before Jared Leto they're going to run into the issue of people thinking this is the new Joker and the DC Absolutely. universe going into the trailer. Now I can't say I'd be mad at that from what I've seen. It looks good to me. You know, I saw the initial initial scenes where he was like out of his makeup and he's, you know, there's a greasy looking guy on the street and I was just like, meh, but then in costume, freaking creepy. And the way that they showed it, was oh that was disturbing incredibly disturbing like the the song choice yeah that was the train it was it was very creepy yeah um which was the purpose Mm -hmm. like it was supposed to freak you out and people are going nuts over it like i i can't tell you how many pieces of fan art i've seen since then and everybody's putting up memes about you know who was the best joker i'm like let's let's bump our brakes a little bit yeah you guys have literally seen like four pictures and a 30 second video and we're putting this on the Pantheon. Like we ain't there yet. Yeah. Let's, let's watch. <laughs> Take it easy. I, I like what they're doing and, and they're releasing the the um, imagery themselves versus, you know, paparazzi and standbyers like taking pictures on their, fo- on their phones and releasing it. Um, I think that's pretty right. cool. I think that's a new age approach that the studio or the director is making. But yeah, I, I agree Like people clamoring that comparing them. It's like, wait, you know, just wait and see what's going to happen. It's like, can we get a Can we get a movie? Can we get a trailer? Maybe. Right. You know, I still don't. And I think you said it previously in like episode one. And we were talking about the Joker movie. And you were saying how yep. you don't want a origin story for the character. I still don't. I still don't want an origin story for the character. I just want him to be the joker and be nuts and thrive on uh, chaos and insanity yeah. and i said what i said like i meant that <laughs> and i <laughs> i agree with you 100 percent. like i do not i'm not interested in that story i feel like you know the joker is much scarier when he's somebody that you cannot reason with or relate to mm-hmm. he's supposed to be nuts and unreasonable I don't want a sympathetic Joker. I just don't. Right. And that may be, and it may, we may not end up with that. I don't know. I mean, the only hint that we may get something is the fact that apparently the character has a name. Yep. Which I'm not too crazy about. Like, There's that. 
And then there's the, the angle of Thomas Wayne apparently running for mayor or whatever's going on with the Waynes, I think factors into that because the people seem not to be too pleased with that family in the movie, which again, I think leads to the idea of the Joker creating Batman sympathetic. I hope not. Okay. That would be utterly ridiculous. I'm I'm not I'm just not excited about it. I'm just not. I'm uh, cautiously optimistic about it. I think with the way they're releasing information to the public, we'll find out more sooner than later. I guess I'll reserve some judgment, but I don't have high hopes (laughs) based on what we've seen this far. So what did you think about Iron Fist? I enjoyed Iron Fist a great deal. I think I said before when we talked a little bit about it was I don't call him the Kung Fu Poodle anymore. I, I I think Finn Jones has been training, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that the, the writing is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Feels more true to Danny. And I think uh, Finn Jones is a lot more comfortable in the role. Colleen was dope. Always, yes. Yes. Misty and, was and too. And Colleen was, was never a mistake. Davos was close to the top of my favorite character this season. Okay. I enjoyed watching Colleen kind of interact with Danny when they were, you know, going out trying to do what they can to make peace with the triads. But I mean, as these things are want to happen, fights breaking out, mm-hmm. you know, and she's, she's kicking it and taking names left and right. I didn't have very many complaints at all about this, to be honest with you, except for the ending. I don't know how I feel about the ending. I thought that was a weird place to go with, Here's where we give you guys your official spoiler alert. Because we're going to talk about some things that have happened. So if you have not completed season two of Iron Fist, uh, you want to go ahead and fast forward about maybe five minutes. And now. So, yeah, the fact that she now holds the Iron Fist, Mm -hmm. I thought was an interesting way to go, but I thought it was weird. Yeah. And then it looks like it is extending beyond her hand into her sword and then yes you know when danny was in japan and that was stupid that's the one yeah, complaint that, i had is, is the cgi on that scene and the bullet had the chi and the yeah. trajectory was just off and it was just stupid to me like they didn't explain how he got it back all of a sudden because that means he still had the fist when davos had it exactly or that there was some some other way to get it which kind of makes the whole journey of getting the Iron Fist in itself kind of moot. Right. If there's another dragon heart that you can just go get, you know what I mean? Well, the thing with his is his was still the original glowing yellowish orange. Davos right. was red and Colleen's is like white. And why did Davos have two? Well, no, in season one, they showed that video that Madame Gao had of like the Iron Fist and like one of the older ones in, in action. He had two fists. It's just Danny can't light but two fists up. Oh. Yeah. So even in the comics, I think Iron Fist is shown to have be able to extend it to both hands. Okay. That was the weakest point in, in the season for me is the ending. I, I don't understand it. The guy they're looking for is from Kunlun. And the guy that they're looking for, Orson Rando, potentially is another Iron Fist. Or he stole the powers of the Iron Fist. At least adapter for the mcu so i i don't really know where they're going like i think that's going to be the big reveal for season three 
but I don't oh, for sure. understand the purpose of why he went if he still had the fist. Or did he? I mean, I'm guessing he didn't have it initially, and something happened while they were in Japan or on their way to Japan that he was able to to recover it. Yeah, but they didn't even address it, and that's the thing with like that's not even like dose ek uh, machina. That's just. I mean, I was cool with them not addressing it though because it's they're closing out the season and they're teasing season three. So that part didn't bother me so much as just this notion that he's now carrying, what, a six-shooter? Mm-hmm. Two of them. And, yeah, that, I didn't enjoy that. I thought that was stupid. Wait, two of them that fires one bullet? That makes no sense. Well, it didn't fire one bullet. He shot two, and then they came together. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah. Okay. Which was even dumber. Yeah. I think it would have been better for him to be meditating or practicing Tai Chi or something. And then as, exactly. as it pans out, you see him lighting up his fist and then it fades to black. Something like that would be a better ending than where they left it because Agreed. that to me almost ruined in a good season. I just choose not to think about it because <laughs> pretty much everything leading up to that was was pretty good. What do you think about Mary was dope? I was about Mary to ask Walker. you, what do you think about Mary Walker? I thought I thought she was dope and I thought it was dope that they did not introduce the typhoid um alter ego yet right we know she's there obviously and they alluded to it and mm-hmm. she you know mary finally figured out that there was a third one but we didn't get to see her right i thought it was weird that she was able to take danny by herself I yes agree. she's been watching him but come on man we didn't see him fight teams of people right Thank you know you. who are skilled fighters and one special ops person takes them down mm-hmm I'm not buying it. Well, I think, too, is that she was able to play on his, I don't say decency. I guess I have to because I can't think of a better word. She was able to play on his emotions or his thinking because he knows that she has, you know, this split personality or disassociative personality going on. So he He didn't know that at first, though. I think at that point, didn't he know it or no? No, no, he didn't. Oh, okay. Then never mind. It doesn't make sense then. (laughs) I mean, he was drugged. Oh, yeah. So but that, even, that was part of it. But even to the point where I, yeah. she was able to drug him, she shouldn't have really been able to do that. Exactly. That part didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but it, it had to move the story along. So I'll buy it. Yeah. Overall, I really enjoyed season two. We didn't see Claire at all this year, which is weird. But we saw Misty, who was I like her and uh, Colleen together. Yes. So I would not be yes. mad if, you know, for some reason we don't get a Defenders season two, which it doesn't look like will happen. But who knows? I'm down for Daughters of the Dragon. Yeah, I'm, I'd be down for that. I'm down for Heroes for Hire. Oh, yeah. Oh, one last thing, too. My man, Turk. <laughs> My favorite character Turk of all time. Up. Yeah, yeah. That was dope to see him again. You know who I really... Like, en- he didn't need Claire. No. You know who I really enjoyed this season? Who? Ward. Like, Ward I thought, was cool. Yeah, I thought he brought his storyline. His arc was kind of different because he's... Season one, he was, you know used by his father and things like this in season two he's like coming to grips and trying to become a better person and understand who he is and not make atonement right. but just well in some ways he was making atonement though i mean that was literally part of what you have to do in na right so he was definitely you know trying to atone for for things in the past his friendship with danny and everything like that was was better but i i just right. enjoyed his growth for sure I don't have a lot of bad things to say about the season. I enjoyed it all. and Yeah, it was all good, except for, like I said, the ending. The ending just didn't work for me. Yeah. But I like that they learned from their mistakes, and they didn't kill off Davos. Mm-mm. So you know NYPD can't hold them. Nope. 
that brings us to the topic of the day. And to get us started, we're going to have a special introduction. Hey, this is George Reader, also known as RevGR33 on Instagram. I am a digital illustrator as well as a traditional painter. I recently did a piece of Batman dressed with some of the Joker's makeup on and some of his uh, coloring on his costume. I really wanted to explore the uh, psychological state of Batman. And if I was able to ever do a Batman story, I would like to talk about how Batman wouldn't be the hero that we thought we knew, that he, in his mind, created the Joker and that he was actually the Joker by day. So when he went to train as a young kid and went around the world training in different martial arts and studying different criminal organizations, he actually came up with the persona of the Joker and that during the day he would be the Joker and at night he would be the Batman we thought we knew. I thought that would be an interesting take on Batman. Uh, Similar to like the movie Fight Club, I would want to display Batman in a total, a totally different light and just seeing that stark contrast. So I would like to thank JB and Josh from At Views Pod for giving me the chance to be on their podcast and being able to uh, discuss the issue of Batman and his psychosis. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, you can always see my work at RevGR33 on Instagram. I do commissions and I also do uh, children's books and graphic novels and portraits and paintings and such. That was a good way to kick off the discussion. Definitely appreciate. It means a lot. Thank you. Batman. Batman's nuts. (laughs) (laughs) We know this. (laughs) That's it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We're done. That's the discussion. (laughs) Everyone should know who Batman is. He was first introduced in 1939. Throughout his history in the comic books, you know, he experienced the, the death of his parents in front of him. Depending on the writers, he was somewhere between the ages of eight and, you know, preteen and things like that. Basically, they were walking through an alley, they were by an alley, that sort of thing. That's the basic, we all know it. And this event shaped his his life at that point, at that young age. And it turned him into the hero that we know and, for some reason, (laughs) love. That's definitely in a nutshell. We know that, you know, he's obviously suffered trauma in his life and... It certainly affects the way that Bruce Wayne lived his life currently. It's it's amazing to think, you know, from that moment that uh, it really could have taken on any number of things. I mean, Bruce is a kid who watched his whole world get shattered and he was left alive. I mean, that leaves you with survivor's remorse of nothing else. Mm-hmm. And you add on top of that, you pretty much have access to anything you could want or need. Mm-hmm. And so now he he chooses to hone his his body and his mind to become the ultimate deterrent of crime. And I think the interesting thing about about 
Bruce Wayne, a young Bruce Wayne, right, is he experiences this trauma. And, you know, in some of the writings, he acts out, you know, he becomes a troubled youth and things like that. He fights a lot, depending on who's writing and things like that, uh, who's, sure. who's writing the comic. But he then he makes this decision. But when you think about what he saw in that survivor's guilt, you know, he was he was eight years old or he was 10 years old or 11 years old. I think Bruce realizes, especially as he gets older, he's angry. He has this hurt. He has this emptiness in his life. Yeah. But I think he realizes that there wasn't really much that he could have done in preventing it from happening. I mean, some writers, they write that it was they allude that it was his fault or it was directly his fault. Some movies have portrayed that. You know, it just right. depends. But ultimately, his parents end up murdered and he's around. Sure. But I don't, I think it's, it's more of him not feeling guilty for their deaths. I think it's more him being driven to prevent it from happening to anyone else or him preventing any bad thing from happening to anyone else. That's exactly it. I mean, he's driven to the point of obsession. Oh yeah. And I, I think it's less guilt about his parents dying and more about him surviving. Oh, like why did I, why was I spared? You yeah. know, and I'm, I'm, I'm here and I have to, to live this existence and he's forever chasing the ghost of his parents. Like that's what's driving him. If I was only prepared enough to prevent this from happening, I could have done something and now I'll never be unprepared again. Gotcha. Like the dude, the dude has, you know, contingency plans on top of contingency plans on top of contingency plans. Mm -hmm. And again, obsessive to the point that he has in different points of the character's existence kind of detached himself from reality in some uh, in some ways. Oh, I think in a lot of, of ways. You, very much so. I, I think and I'm of the I'm of the mindset of Batman is the true persona. Like it's more than just his his uniform. That's oh, yeah. who he is. Bruce Wayne oh, yeah, is, is who he pretends to be. Bruce Wayne is who he is so he can go about his daily life and, you know, his his uh, nine to five, I will call it, and play this character so that he can not be suspected as being Batman. So he can absolutely, you know, it's not because he wants to have a life or he, or anything like that. It's no cover. It's a cover. It's a mask. It's a beard. It's whatever you want to call it. That's who Bruce Wayne is. That's that's my personal belief. I agree. And he has he himself has even stated that if you if you go back and read um, the Bruce Wayne murderer and Bruce Wayne fugitive series, like that's kind of what he said. You know, Bruce Wayne gets framed for murder and arrested. Batman is basically willing to let it go. He's like, cool. Mm -hmm. Let <laughs> You know, Bruce Wayne or he escapes and. Bruce Wayne, quote unquote, disappears and he's perfectly OK with it. Like he's like, I can get to work. You know, now I don't have to be burdened with yeah, playing both sides. Exactly. I can get rid of this alias and just really concentrate on being who I really am. Mm -hmm. And it has happened that way several times throughout the character's uh, existence. Like Batman really is the is the real person. Mm -hmm. I, Bruce is just like matches Malone. Like I, I use this to get information, mm -hmm. you know, to help with my mission. It's unhealthy, to be honest with oh, you. Oh, it's totally unhealthy. It's actually, it's interesting, like, when I was doing research for this episode, because it's, 
um, something, you know, we're really excited to talk about. And, you know, throwing a disclaimer out there, we're not medical professionals. We're not trained in brain science and things like that. So this is just, you know, two guys speculating um, on, sure. on one of the most popular superhero characters of all time. But in, and by the way, this is not, you know, we're not the first people to do it. Like, there's plenty of oh, things. so much out there. Yeah, it's so much out there. Even real psychiatrists and psychologists have talked about it. Yep. Because it's so interesting. That is just incredibly unhealthy. His, his obsession with trying to be as prepared as possible to prevent any type of, basically to prevent bad things from happening to other people. Like, it, it, it all goes back to the moment of his parents you know, being murdered in front of him Mm -hmm. and his being helpless to have done anything about it. I mean, he could have easily taken the same approach of wanting to, you know, stop crime and and do what he can to do that. But he could have taken the approach that, you know, Clark Kent takes. Right. It's like, I'm still here to stop crime. But, you know, he he doesn't have a a desire to put fear in people. He's like, no, I'm, I'm going to be this presence. And, you know, this this won't stand. Well, he's more of a, a dad in that way where, where Batman is like, nah, I want you to fear me. I want you to think that I might actually kill you. Right. That's the difference between Batman and 99% of all other heroes, comic books from DC to Marvel. Batman goes on patrol. Spider-Man, Superman, Green Lantern, any hero you can name, they rise to the occasion when they have to. Batman does, and he goes on patrol. There's a comic strip. I saw it in a documentary that I watched where he's in a board meeting or he's in a meeting in his office and he's watching the sun go down. And the moment the sun sets, he's like, the meeting's over. He's like, we'll finish this up tomorrow. Right. And what does he do? He changes into his His work clothes. Yeah, exactly. He puts on his real work clothes and he goes on patrol to not just find bad guys, but to catch them in the act and to prevent them from committing any crimes on his watch. Now, I think it's interesting um, because if this was somebody in real life, like if Batman was a real person, I don't think he would be as loved as he is. We probably would be a little wary of him because we're like, this dude is insane. Sure. This mass vigilante is going around beating criminals to pulp around the city. Some people would be cool with it, but they would still not want to run into him in a dark alley. But I mean, if you look at it from the point of view of the characters that exist, you know, in a comic with him, it's. That is how people view him. You know, he's a lunatic. He's a menace to to society. He's not to be trusted, just in general. And, you know, people, for the most part, would fear Batman, mm-hmm. which was which was the intent. You know, he was the saying, uh, criminals are a, a cowardly and superstitious lot or a superstitious and cowardly lot. Mm-hmm. And he played on that. You know, right. he's there to strike fear in in the hearts of those who would do wrong. Uh, and the side effect of that is you're scaring the crap out of everybody. Right. And I, which he was perfectly okay with. <laughs> well, that's that plays into other aspects of his his personality that he will jump into that a little bit later. But uh, the interesting thing is how, we're t- you know, we're talking right now about how he dealt with the trauma. The Waynes are worth billions. They've been on the fictional Forbes list in the top five, I think, since like 1942 or something like that. They're worth billions. The normal... I won't say the normal reaction, but the logical reaction to something that he experienced would be for him to, you know, support the police, you know, give them additional funding, which he does as Bruce Wayne. But, you know, to give additional funding to this, 
support these programs and everything like that. Maybe run for local government, support candidates that he believes will help clean up the city. That would have been a healthier approach, I guess, that he could have taken. I think that would have been more akin to the uh, Superman path, where he rises to the occasion and provides the support that uh, the city doesn't have to kind of help better the city. But he doesn't. What he does is he, and it's a little arrogant, which is part of his personality. Absolutely. He takes it upon himself. He says, you know, I will fight crime. I will stand up to injustice. I will do this. I will do that. Instead of, you know, trusting the system or beefing up the system or, or uh, propping up the system to uh, handle the things in the city, which is, I mean, huge. Yeah. To be fair, though, uh, especially year one, like the, the Gotham PD was incredibly corrupt. So, yeah. And that's the thing, too. So you're right, because I'm thinking about it from a, even though real life governments are can be corrupt. Um, in, right. in the fictionalized world, I forgot Gotham was like the most corrupt city in the world or in the right. United States. So that makes it difficult to, to work within the system. But no, but even, I, I agree. But I mean, there's arrogance of the highest order to say that you are the person that is most qualified to do it, regardless of the fact that, yes, he has been trained by the best in every sort of. But even he made that decision before he was even trained. Agreed. He knew, which is which is why he got the training. Mm-hmm. You know, he decided that he wanted to be the person to do it. But again, it goes back to the trauma suffered. I have I've witnessed this thing happen, and I have to make sure that I am prepared to prevent it from happening ever again. Mm-hmm. And it and it's a point of obsession. So, right. you know, from that singular thought, you get to well, how do I prevent this from happening? Oh, I got to build my body. I got to be, you know, stronger, faster, smarter than the next person to, then to prevent that from happening. OK, my body is trained. Wait, I could still be outsmarted. So now I have to, you know, train my, my brain to think, you know, more accurately, more efficiently, more more quickly than the next person. Oh, I have to be, you know, the best uh, escape artist. And, you know, when you go through the history of it and, and you find other people he's trained by and the, the lengths that he goes through all in the sake of the mission mm-hmm. it is highly and i guess that's why it exists in the superhero realm you know we like to think of batman as the the closest thing to uh what a a just a simple human could do but in real life <laughs> he'd have died 10 times over oh definitely just through just through the training of it touching on what you said earlier is about the corruption of uh, the police force and the government, and that's not something that he could have changed. I do disagree because he's worth billions. And over time, you know what they say, what cash cash uh, talks, everything else walks or something like that. Yeah. Over time, he could have bankrolled the entire city council, the mayor's office, the police, the DA, the fire department, and things like that as an alternative to anointing himself as the protector of Gotham and the defender of justice and the enemy of crime. So I think, you know, that's, that would have been within his reach or it would have been, it wouldn't have been unrealistic for him to take that approach. It may have taken time. I mean, it would have taken as much time as it took him to become what he became with Batman, you know, with the physical training, the mental training and, and everything like that. Because he didn't become Batman until he was about 30. 
he could have he I mean, could have reshaped it, it. I'm sorry, what'd you say? I say it varies depending on the writer. Yeah, but he you know he was you know older when it happened, but he could have reshaped the system that way, and he didn't choose to do so. And I think that's one of the interesting things of his personality, um, of who sure. he is. That that makes you know this episode possible. It makes you know all these other more uh, qualified people to discuss it. It was something I was watching, and it was a doctor, and he was talking about. You know, he said he's he's like I can't diagnose him because I can't diagnose him because he exists in this fictional world. But what I can do is look at certain personality traits and let you know where he what he leans towards. And mm-hmm. one that came out was he has antisocial personality disorder. And he went through like a list of different aspects of his personality that shows that he has this antisocial personality disorder. Like, for instance, you mentioned it. He has a reckless disregard for the safety of himself. Right. And he does that by putting his, you know, himself on the line to defend Gotham, to to defend the innocent. But he... And this is one thing I didn't really think about till they mentioned it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's true. He has a reckless disregard for others. And the reason I say that and the reason I, th- I mean, other, he has, you know, actual medical experience. But when you think about, you know, Dick Grayson and uh, Jason Todd and uh, Tim Drake, and Barbara Gordon and all these other people, he brought them into his fight. With the exception of Dick Grayson, I disagree. No, he brought he brought Dick Grayson into his fight. That's why I say he's the exception. Oh. He brought Dick. And actually, no, 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 no. I take it back. Dick Grayson is not the exception. All of them kind of forced their way in. You know, Bruce took in Dick because of similar situations. And Grayson was like, yo, I got to kill this dude that <laughs> that killed my parents. Jason Todd, you know, he was trying to steal hubcaps off the Batmobile. Which, why does the Batmobile have hubcaps? And Bruce again took him in and yes jason got himself killed spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) and then with tim drake he just kind of figured out that bruce was batman and was like yo i i want this in those cases he he tried to discourage him and i think he came to realize in each of those cases the same sense of determination within himself He's like, look, I can't stop him, so I'm gonna train him. He could have stopped. I mean, he, he and I'm not saying I'm not sure he disagreeing him. with it because Tim Drake is my favorite Robin, and I enjoy the stories and things like that. But looking at it from the outside, it's kind of like he didn't have to adopt Dick Grayson, and it's kind of hard to say that he felt something for him because Bruce Wayne may have felt something for him, or the the persona that he pretends is Bruce Wayne may have felt something for him. I don't I don't really think Batman, you know, I don't really think he, I won't say he didn't care about him or anything like that, but I don't think he was very sensitive to what happened. I think he, he saw what happened. He felt bad about the situation. He was mad that he, he couldn't prevent it. But I don't necessarily believe that he was adopting Dick because Dick needed a home. Well, the thing about, you know, going through a a traumatic situation like that is you tend to think in a very singular way. I have to be the person to prevent this because I was the person that this was done to. And you you think of it as 
you know, I was the only person affected by this. Like nobody else understands this this life that I lead or nobody else understands this this pain that I feel. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there's somebody who probably understands this trauma that you feel. You know, your parents dying in front of you and then you find out that it was a an actual murder. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't an accident. It is a a very similar thing. And I think you got to consider too the timeline. You know, this is pretty early on in Bruce's evolution into Batman and and having taken on the mantle. I think the idea of Batman becoming the actual person or the dominant personality um, within him was a gradual thing. You know, I think it took time for that to happen. And I, I imagine at the point where Dick was taken in, Bruce was probably still in control. Mm, okay, I can see that argument. But at the same time, he's rationalizing his actions. You know, he's rationalizing why he is the one to take care of Dick or um, Jason or, you know, have Tim become his sidekick or work with Barbara Gordon or things like that. He's kind of rationalizing the situation so that they work. Because... Yeah, he could. Like, if, so. if Bruce was, if Bruce was still the, the dominant personality, or more so the dominant personality, or the more balanced personality, let's say, I'll say that, he could have still prevented Dick from becoming Robin. Dick, he didn't need to become Robin. I think that's kind of what some writers go for when they're writing him as Nightwing, or when he gets older and he has a little bit of resentment towards Batman. I think any resentment that dick has towards bruce has been bruce trying to keep him under his thumb and not allowing him to be the person he wants to be yeah i don't know i don't okay i'll say this if if dick needed to confront the people who killed his parents it could have stopped at that yeah it could have stopped at that but it didn't no because you find you you find a kindred spirit and and again initially you thought he felt alone in this mission you know singular focus i i i i have to do this nobody else would understand it and then all of a sudden somebody else understands it and and although he you know initially tried to dissuade him from that once he realized that he probably couldn't i mean yes yeah you you know batman could physically prevent this from happening but ultimately if somebody wants to do something they're going to do it i mean you know Alfred tried to talk young Bruce out of, you know, taking on this this mission. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, he was not going to be deterred. So I'm sure he saw something in, in Grayson, you know, in a similar way. So what what are your options? I can fight you every step of the way and try to present, prevent you from doing this. You go and do it anyway without my training and get yourself hurt or dead. Exactly. So this becomes part of my mission to protect. I have to make sure that nothing bad happens to you. Just like I have to make sure nothing bad happens to anybody in Gotham. Yeah, but he can do that. He could he could still do that without bringing them on as his sidekick. Maybe because whether that seemed to be the way that he felt was the best way to do it. Right. 
And that's the thing. Whether right or wrong, I think that it all goes back to the same thing. And the one thing that, you know, has come up in, in some of these discussions that we haven't gotten to yet, but it's it's pretty freaking important is the idea of escalation. You start off with, you know, just common criminals and mm-hmm. corruption in Gotham and you just have the police force just like, you know, any other city would have. But then if you take, you know, just average, you know, beat cops and, and detectives and they're dealing with just say drug dealers, then you send a SWAT team in. What happens? The drug dealers are like, oh, crap, they got a SWAT team. Well, we need to up our arms. And that's that's the question, you know, that, that's always left out there. Has the fact that Batman has taken this mission on himself actually made things worse? You know, did Gotham become a worse place because of his presence? That's like the chicken or the egg comment, because sure, it, the argument is there that, yeah, these crazies have started popping up more since Batman's coming to town. Or since he started patrolling and taking them on, which I I can see that side of the argument. I can see that that he could be his own creation of his own doom or something like that. And easily that plays into his personality. It plays into his psyche. You know, he's he ignores right and wrong. He operates outside of the law, even though he has his own moral code or he has his own you know lines that he won't cross. But even with even with those things, like, for instance, he won't take a life, right? Some books, he says it's too easy. Okay, Batman has admitted to fantasizing or thinking repeatedly about killing the Joker. Sure. Not normal. Absolutely not normal. And, you know, he won't take a life. Either he says it's too easy, things like that. But it's not because of any nobility really on his part. It's kind of because he doesn't trust himself to go that far because I mean, yes, uh, because then what separates you from from them? I mean, it's a very thin line. Oh, I don't think it's It's like, but I don't think it's I don't think it's it's the separation between them and him and them because he will stand by and let other people kill people like other heroes or I mean, there are instances in the comics where um, man, I can't think of the character. Somebody end up dead, and, and maybe this was like the 80s or something when they were writing it. Somebody ends up dead, and Batman's like, well, he got what he deserved. Like, he has no qualms with other people killing people. I disagree. I think it, it again, comes down to the writing because I'm thinking about uh, in in later times when... When Damien was killing people or trying to? That, too. That, too. But even before Damien, he pretty much was, like, not messing with Wonder Woman for... A while like there was a um remember there was a whole year where batman superman wonder woman were just kind of out of the picture and it was because of wonder woman killing maxwell lord mm-hmm. she kind of had no choice though she kills him batman is like you're the scum of the earth and you don't deserve to to hold the title i mean he read how to riot act so it, it's it's a difficult thing to lock down right and which makes the conversation so interesting i think yeah no i agree because you know things are retconned and things are changed and right that's the other part it does make it harder but see i don't i i look at that as being distrust in himself because he 
if he crosses that line, right, and he, he kills somebody, what is to prevent him from going, you know, too hard on a purse snatcher? Somebody snatches a purse, he catches him in a dark alley, backhands him once, takes the purse, don't do this again, don't let me catch you for doing this again. But what's to stop him from taking that further? What's to stop him from breaking that bones in that guy or, you know, a petty criminal? Right. For, you know, how he treats a petty criminal versus how he treats somebody like the Joker after he crosses it is, that line. It is his own, you know, his own moral code that he has established for himself as really the only law he's recognizing. It's like, I opt not to do this, not because it's, you know, the law says I can or can't do a thing, but this is what I'm saying. I'm going to adhere to. It's that that singular thought that we've been talking about the whole time where he has established himself as the one that knows what's best for Gotham. Mm-hmm. And I will be the person to met out the justice that I see fit. And part of that is I'm not going to kill the Joker, no matter how many people die or how many people are at risk, you know, by me allowing him to live. I have chosen not to do that, so I'm not going to do it. And it, and it leads, you know, the age old question is Batman not killing the Joker because. And I think this was mentioned in, in the Dark Knight. Um, he's like, you need me. I don't know if I subscribe to that notion. I don't. But at it, all. It, it is it is one that has come up a lot. You say you don't at all. No, I don't subscribe to that one at all. Why not? Well, you guys, you're just going to have to find out in part two of this epic discussion, the psychology of Batman. Same Bat channel, same (laughs) Bat podcast. (laughs) Uh, See you guys in part two.